Hello, TBR fans. Welcome to this episode of Talk About Rock. I'm your host, Rob Edwards. Let's check in with my co-host, Jerry Smith, Nashville. Jerry, how's it going? Pretty good. How about you, Rob? Good to see you. Great, great. What's happening out there in Nashville? The big Halloween weekend here. We got uh, plenty of shows going on, starting with our friends tomorrow night, the Naked Gypsy Queens, who we interviewed about uh, two months ago. They're playing at the Mockingbird Theater in Franklin. And if you cover bands, we uh, we have quite a few of them going on Friday night with the Mixtape 80s Tribute Band out there at Hop Springs in Murfreesboro. We got um, the classic rock cover band Vinyl Radio doing their Halloween show over at 3rd and Lindsley. And we have Contagion bringing their brand of 80s hard rock and heavy metal along with Alice Unleashed, a tribute to Alice Cooper, going on Friday night at Bowie's. The uh, Hellfest, which is a bunch of hard rock and heavy metal bands playing in Lebanon. We have a KISS cover band called the KISS Army back at Hop Springs on Saturday night. And we have a Guns N' Roses tribute called Night Train International over at the Tin Roof for people to celebrate their Halloween festivities. Oh my God, you got so much going on in Nashville. That's that's so amazing, that's, that's, that's crazy. Well, we are so lucky to have with us someone else who's currently located out in Nashville. He's originally from Buffalo, New York. You may recall him from the beloved band Talis or being handpicked to join David Lee Roth's band or his amazing project with Mr. Big or his core projects, the Winery Dogs, and also Sons of Apollo. Please welcome to the show, the innovative and iconic Mr. Billy Sheehan. Hi, Billy. I'll try to live up to that. How's it going today? <laughs> going great. Uh, what a beautiful, perfect day here in Nashville. Just gorgeous outside and crisp uh, blue skies. Just wonderful. We uh, This is our fourth, October is our fourth year here. And uh, we're, we just really love living here very, very much. Awesome, yeah, awesome. Yeah, you don't get that. can't beat October in Nashville. The uh, mercury hit 70 degrees today. He's absolutely right. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we won't see that here in Buffalo for quite a while, you know what I mean? But that's that's awesome. That's going on there. That's totally great. We have a winter, but it's it's pretty short. You know, usually I have like one little snow thingy. <clears throat> but I, I remember the blizzard of 77 in New York. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. We all do. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm trying so, to get Rob to come down here, Billy. Yeah. Well, what? I'm trying to get Rob to move down here to Nashville. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's music city. It's uh, quite a quite a great uh, spot. We uh, a lot of great friends I had already here, and then a lot of friends of mine have moved here since too. So it's a great community, and I really wanted. I know a lot of Nashvilleians get a little bit annoyed at all these people moving in <clears throat> i don't blame them because they don't want things to change too much so i made it a point to try to contribute to what's here rather than try to take give not take and so uh all, all of my new friends in nashville have been wonderful relationships awesome well, i think that's the way i felt as well when i first moved down here that i was going to give and and not take because the issue was pretty sensitive when I first moved down here in 1991, wow. my um, father worked for the Chevy Tonawanda plant up there in Buffalo and took a job with Saturn Corporation down in Spring Hill. 
Wow. Yeah, my stepfather worked for Chevy in uh, in Buffalo. Awesome. That was a pretty major employer there for a long time. Sure was. Uh, Allied Chemical, Bethlehem Steel, uh, the, the stamping plant, the uh, uh, Harrison Radiator. There was another one up in the uh, uh, Lockport, Lockport area. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So as we're going back here, we know we got a lot of new projects going on. But I wanted to kind of get a little timeline going. If we go back for a minute, you know, let's go back to the early days when you guys were, you know, rocking in Dallas, playing all over the place. Um, can you tell us a little yeah. about that? I think it came, you guys came from the Tweeds, right? Yeah, we started out, I came out of high school, started a band called, no, we joined a band called Opus One, which with, with a couple of guys that later became luminaries in the, in the local scene, Bruce Bricado on guitar, Ted Reinhardt on drums, uh, 11 piece horn band. Mike Migliori was the alto player. He was, went off to become quite famous himself as well. And, uh, three lead singers, four horns, guitar, bass, drums, keyboard. So we did our first uh, gig at the beef and Al house. Uh, I, I think I made $7 and 20 cents was my, uh, was my take on that. On that gig. <laughs> so that was, uh, while I was still in high school and, um, then, uh, uh, Dave Constantino and I were at the same high school <clears throat> and he, he, he asked to borrow my amp. And I said, well, I, you know, I, I was just, you know, it was my pride and joy. I couldn't let people borrow my amps. Was, he goes, you play bass, don't you? And I go, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, he, uh, so, well, well, would you like to, you know, join the band, the Tweeds? And I knew the band and they'd had a, a hit single years earlier and they were kind of, uh, you know, they, they, they had cooled off quite a bit since then. But they were a pretty famous man in the Buffalo area uh, in the 60s. So I joined them and uh, we had uh, a good run for a while, then split up. Then Dave and I decided to stay together and we got Mike Piccolo uh, for the first version of Talus. Now there's since been about eight versions of Talus. Uh, I'm going to try to do a family tree someday <laughs> right. on a giant sheet of paper. Right. Now, but, uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I, what I what I heard is that the the original name for the band came from a horse. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, somebody somebody had a horse, and uh, I think Dave got on it, and it it spooked and jumped over his car, and he oh wow he, he jumped off and he was so scared he threw up. So we thought, perfect. That's a perfect band name for <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. So we, we had a, eventually we, we went through a, a different permutations. The next drummer was our drum roadie, Brian Brothman, just for about a month. And then we got Rocco Oliverio from uh, down in um, <clears throat> Jamestown area. Uh, I forgot the name of the, of the uh, Salamanca, that's it. And then his brother was also a drummer and they played double, double drum. So we got him in the band, the, the first, first four piece Talis. And uh, then that kind of fell apart and we got Paul Varga, the Tweed drummer back in. And that became the Talus that was, a lot of people look at that as the, the main version of Talus. And we went on to play a lot and, you know, get uh, a lot of local notoriety. Then uh, things weren't going so well. So they decided to have me leave the band and, and take the name and start a different Talus. So they hired uh, Mike Marconi and Dale Croston from Whale in Rochester, a great band. 
And I went off and joined Ron Rocco from Rochester and two other guys and had a band called Light Years. That went on for about a year. Then Dave and Paul called me on my first night of playing in a band called Sheehan uh, with Phil Nero on vocals, Mark Miller on drums. And I forgot who the guitar player was. It might have been Dave Monkoff, who was also in Whale. Incestuous bunch we were. And uh, <laughs> so we... Uh, uh, they called me on opening night uh, when I was playing at the Caboose in Fredonia and asked me to come back to the band. I said, okay, you know, because it was a struggle to start a new band. So I went back and that was the version of Talos that went on to do the very first record and then sink your teeth into that and do the Van Halen tour. Yep. And in about 83, that was getting pretty shaky. They decided to quit and left me holding the bag with the PA light, sound truck, crew guys and everything. So I hustled uh, that Sheehan band back together. Mark Miller and Phil Nero got a guitarist from LA named Mitch Perry and we went off. Uh, we had to replace Mitch at one point and got Johnny Angel on the band. And that was the band that played on the Ingve tour and our opening night was Los Angeles in 19, summer of 85. And we, uh, David Lee Roth came out to the show that night and then arranged to have a meeting with me at his house the day before and I went out there because uh, 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 he had contacted me uh, uh, earlier about that. So well, you we guys, you guys opened for Van Halen on, on like 30 plus shows I saw, right? 1980. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just the one show, but I was reading it was like 30 plus shows. So Dave must have had his eye on you. Well, I actually and I just found it uh, the other day. Uh, a lot of a lot of stories people uh, here and they can't believe it's possibly true. For example, you you too opened up for Talus at stage one, and uh, people and people didn't believe us for years. They no way. They thought, yeah, I swear to God, they did. Right. And then when you two years later played Rich Stadium, Bono announced that they had opened. They had a they had a great night because they opened for this band called Talus. <laughs> and so you could hear all the jaws drop. But right. I just found the. Uh, since we lost that, I've been going over some of my some of my uh, remembrances of his. But I told I told people, yeah, the, the the last night of the tour, Ed came up to me and said, "Hey, let me give you my number and don't tell Michael." So I was like, "Whoa, holy cow!" Valerie had given him a little card, like a you know, a little they were in love, right? And he took the card and ripped a piece off of it and wrote his number down, and there it is. Oh wow. And there's the, there's the, it was the, from the card that she wrote him. So they were thinking about bringing you into Van Halen at that time. Is that, what, is that the case? They were thinking about bringing you maybe into Van Halen. Was that the case? That was the first indication. And then I went out to, I called Ed uh, and spoke with him. And, and as I've said recently, one of the, one of the, what a great, what a horrible loss to lose him. Because for me, knowing that Ed would take my phone call, when we were still slugging it out in Buffalo and going nowhere, that meant a lot to me. That's, and it really helped keep the fire burning in me. So I owe him a great debt for that. What a wonderful, wonderful man. But uh, then uh, I went up to Toronto to see them. Uh, and Ed specifically talked to me about joining the band. Then they played in Buffalo. And D Dave and Paul and myself went to the show. And we knew the crew guys as we had toured with them, so all of us could kind of get in there and everything. And I remember um, I'm sitting at the table with Dave, David Lee Roth. 
and we're having a ride and I'm looking over at the other table and it's Paul and Dave, uh, Talis Dave sitting with Ed and they had this look on their face like it wasn't uh, too happy. They weren't too happy. You guys were talking. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I don't know. They, Ed was telling them something and, I, and they, it looked like a, some kind of controversy. So later on, Ed said, hey, come on to my room. I got to play you some some tapes. And up in his room, he said, what would you do if I asked you to join Van Halen? And I said, I'd get on the first plane and be there in five minutes. Right. We, we should. Right. Yeah. Right. And, of course. Uh, wow. And, and my, my head is spinning. Oh, my God. This is unbelievable. Right. So, um, Later, like about 10 days after that, we're, every time we drive to the gig, Dave and Paul were, were pretty upset and pissed off. And finally, it blew up and, and they said, Ed Van Halen said that, if, if, that if, if we don't, you know, step up our game, so to speak, I'm paraphrasing, uh, that he's going to steal you away from the band. And then my manager, I better shut up. Right, but right. I didn't want to say anything about it, you know. Right. And turns exactly. out he didn't. He didn't. You know, he, uh, I called him up uh, after a few months when their tour was over and said, you know, we don't know if we really want to make a change right now. We're, you know, this is just before the 1984 record and everything like that. Right. So he said, but I might do a solo record and I'd love to have you on that and blah, blah, blah. So we stayed close and yeah. talked a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, it did actually go down. Uh, there was so, a lot of rumblings in the band at that time. You know, things were real, real uneasy. I knew that I know they weren't real happy with Diver Down. Eddie had, yeah. had voiced his opinions about it, that album. He was not happy. And I know Kim and Dave were button heads about a lot of things. And, uh, you know, there were rumors about Dave wanting to do movies and stuff like that and different things, you know. So I know, you know, there was a lot of tension definitely going on back and forth. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, isn't as as a fan, that's so heartbreaking. You just see everybody all partying and hanging and zooming right. around. And, and then years like, later, years later, you hear, great, huh? yeah, years later, you hear like, yeah, they really didn't get along so great. It took you know took time to get through that album, but that's that's all things happen in bands. That's all things happen in families. You know what I mean? Bands fight, brothers and sisters fight, yeah. husbands and wives fight. It yeah. happens. Yeah, and so um, I wanted some folks to check out. I want to take a quick pause. We have a video from uh, two thousand. You guys with Talis playing uh, the, the first song from the first Talis album, Seesaw. We want to do a quick video on that. And we'll, I'm we'll sure this that. has to be some pretty raw footage here. No, it's it's nice footage. So we're, I'm going to pump that in here and we'll take a look at that. And then we'll be right back with uh, Mr. Billy Sheehan, folks. Great. Sounds good.
Hello, folks. So we're back talking with uh, Billy Sheen here on Talking About Rock. We just checked out uh, them playing uh, Seesaw from 2000 when uh, Tails came back to do some songs for us. It was great. And you were telling us uh, about being picked with Dave. And I, and I think what, I, what I've heard is, and I saw some stuff, that um, Dave actually flew you down and had some songs to check out in his basement that you, he wanted to run by you, right? Uh, one more time. I'm sorry. Uh, did Dave actually, Dave actually called you up, I think, and flew you out to L.A. when he wanted to do his solo record, right? He had some songs that he wanted to run by you? Uh, no, no. He called me up and said he wanted me to be in his movie. 
Oh, that's how. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that one. Okay. It was a weird week because we got three calls that week. We got a call from the William Morris Agency. This is the four-piece house with Phil Narrow singing lead, Mark Miller on drums. Mm -hmm. Call from the William Morris Agency. They want to sign us and they want to have us open Ingve's first American tour. Right. Great. Cool. Then we got a record from Danny Goldberg, who was a uh, Gold Mountain Records. He later went on to manage Nirvana, quite an iconic guy in the mu in the music biz. That they wanted to sign us. Great record deal. And then the right. third call was David Lee Roth's office calling, saying. Dave would like you to be in the movie. So, you know, when can you have a meeting? And so, well, we happen to be going out to LA because of the, the other, the other call I mentioned. So we set it up a meeting and, I'm, and so a funny thing happened. So when I got to LA, I called Ed and I said, Ed, you know, can you come down to our show? We're playing the, the Palladium opening for Ingvi. He goes, oh man, I am kind of busy. I, you know, I get, I go, oh, all right. Okay. Well, thanks anyway. You know, I get, I, I go, I'm having a meeting with Dave tomorrow. And he goes, you're what? You're what? You're having a meeting with Dave. What's more? He goes, uh -oh, you spilled, you spilled the beans. Uh -oh. You spilled the I, beans. I, 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 I I've opened my big fat mouth. I better, so, but I, I, you know, I had to say, I guess he's, I guess he's doing some kind of movie and he wants, wants me to be in it or something. And he goes, well, do me a favor, man. As soon as you're done talking with him, call me up and let me know. I think he's going to pull an Ozzy Osbourne on us. In other words, leave the band, hire, like Ozzy left Black Sabbath. Right. 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 So now you were like caught in the middle of this stuff. I know. I think Jesus. I love all those guys. I love right. them so much. They're, you know. So I got there and, and Dave goes, Well, there is a movie, but that's not what I wanted to talk to you about. Because uh, you promise me it's gotta be absolutely secret. You can't tell anybody. No, no girlfriends, no family, no no one can know. Is it okay? Be Ross Code of Silence, yeah. Absolutely. And we kept it too. We were good at that. Me, Steve, Greg, and Brett, we were, we were, we honored that all the time. And so I never called that back. I felt bad about it, but you know, I had to, if I would have, it would have, I would have been blown out of both camps. And, uh, you know, so sure enough, uh, as soon as that tour was done, it was July, uh, first week of July, Dave flew me out and that was it. I was done that week. We went down to, I went to his house. We started working on song. He liked shy boy. He wanted to use that. So I said, cool. Let's do yeah, it. that was great that you got Shy Boy in there. And I, I wanted to ask you quick about Ladies Night in Buffalo. Was that something your take on that? Or was it something that kind of just came about? It just came about because I went, I, I came home for, uh, I think it might have been, I came home each year for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Then right. as the years went by, it was only Christmas. And then, because <laughs> <laughs> I'd always get snowed in and everything. Plus, I, I've lost a lot of family and not a lot of people left there anymore. But but I will be doing the Christmas show December 15th in Buffalo again this year. So we're happy about that. So um, uh, the original question was, oh, ladies night in Buffalo. Yeah. So, uh, so when I went home, the, the first Thanksgiving we had in November following that July, now we were already rehearsing and getting ready to record the record. And I got home, I got back to LA and, uh, and they said, what, what did you do for Thanksgiving? I said, oh, I went, I went to Buffalo. I, I went out one night and it was ladies night in Buffalo. And everybody <laughs> laughed. Was the idea that Buffalo was just blue collar steel. Right, right. We just sit around and watch the cars rust with six feet of snow 24 <laughs> seven. <laughs> so they thought that was really funny. So that I said it and then uh, we, we rode around it there. So, uh, but we, uh, Steve and Greg and I, um, we uh, just rehearsed like uh, like mad and wrote songs. And every night it was great because we would go 
Dave had a, a, a garage that was filled with beer left over from the US Festival. Now, Pasadena gets pretty hot, so you can imagine it's been a couple of years in a hot garage. Mm, probably not so was, good. was long skunk, <laughs> but we didn't care. We sit there with a skunk beer and tell stories, and uh, we had a riot. It was the greatest. On the weekends, we'd go out with Dave and his bodyguard and a little entourage of people, and uh, it was amazing times. Yeah. So. When, when that record hit, that was huge. I mean, that really, really put him on the map. The, the songs were really great. The videos on MTV really stood yeah. out. You know, it was it had to be a lot of fun making those. It looked like it anyway. Well, it was a riot. It was uh, me, Steve, and Greg Bissonette and Brett Tuggle get together often and uh, just, just to have a dinner, hang out, and tell stories of back in the day and how much fun we had and how great it was. It was, it was mind-blowing. I was driving a 77 Pinto with a donut fake tire on one wheel because I couldn't afford a tire. Uh, left that behind, went to LA, and uh, th that evening there were paparazzi <laughs> shooting me and Dave my first night in LA. So it was oh, kind wow. of a it was kind of a, an, a, a, an amazing uh, set of events there. It, pretty pretty mind blowing. Yeah, that was well, obviously you saw Greg Bissonette here in Nashville back in August at the Rock and Pod event. Yeah. When was the last time you saw him? Previous to that. Just a couple of weeks earlier, guys, I was in uh, L.A. writing for Winery Dogs and we had a night off. So I went, uh, Greg and I went to Steve's house and we had a, we made pizzas and did our, our usual hang. And we had a riot. So, but we're pretty close. Uh, uh, all of us, me, Greg and Steve, Brett too, Brett Tuggle, our keyboard player. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, it's great to have that kind of a friendship that's been going on for uh, since since 1985 <laughs> that's awesome yeah we were trying to make it out to rock and pod we're going to definitely do that next time it kind of crept up on us too fast we're a newer show but we're gonna we're gonna definitely be there next time it was so, a cool event but but I, I i did like one or two interviews and they said okay you're done i think well i could have done like 30 if you wanted me to but right I, it's not far from my house but, go home. Yeah. well i'm glad we caught you here now tonight yeah all right Yes. Excellent. So your, your next project you moved on to after that was was an amazing, outstanding band. Also, you know, Mr. Big, just some amazing folks in that. Eric Martin, you know, Paul Gilbert, you know, amazing stuff. You know, Dicted to That Rush came out and I think everybody like stood up and said, wow, holy crap. Yeah. And uh, sadly, yesterday, our original manager, Herbie Herbert, passed away. And oh, wow. without Herbie there would have been no Mr. Big. He was- Sorry to hear man. that. Yeah, he was the greatest. He put Journey together. Uh, he was the guy who said years ago, why don't we sell t-shirts at the show with the band's name on them? Because right. I went to see Hendrix, there was no merch, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just saw that on on your site that he had passed and I posted that on her. It's such such a huge loss for him. Yeah, he yeah, was uh, one, of the, one of the first guys to do a, sound systems traveled with the band uh, uh founding father of the music biz and with him as our manager uh, even as somewhat indifferent atlantic records he pounded them we got the superstar royalty rate from our from our second record on and uh just incredible tours we we toured with rush on the presto tour again on the roll of bones tour aerosmith brian adams scorpions uh, and, and his best buddy was the biggest promoter in Japan. So it, 
he made sure to take great care of us. We went there as a result, Mr. Big did incredibly well in Japan. So it was all really uh, uh, hinging on our connection with uh, Herbie Herbert. He was a, an amazing, amazing man, a brilliant manager and so artist uh, conscious. He never took any publishing money from us. His commissions were low and reasonable. He would, he, I think it was Moby Grape, the band, uh, one of the guys was li living under living under a, a, a an overpass somewhere, and he found him and got the guy, and you know got him back, and got him a place, and helped him out, and helped him. He was always helping uh, musicians that were uh, maybe run into a run a bad luck or something. He was a giving, wonderful, wonderful man, and a, and a good kind of tyrant, but for the artist, not not against the artist. He was uh, he would fight for us, and so uh, Mr. Big. Uh, did great. We we ended up with the number one single. Herbie engineered that completely too. He he he's why it was number one. Just and, to be with you. Yeah. To be with you. Yes, sir. And we still uh, I still get email from people from everywhere, from Madagascar, from Iraq, from uh, you name it, all over the world. And that 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 song means a lot to them. And. Uh, Amazing emails, how much when you put a record out, how it touches people in so many places uh, around the world. They, they, they write to me that, you know, they were, believe it or not, considering, you know, killing themselves or, you know, they had a death in the family or some horrible situation. And, uh, and yeah. Mr. Big Music got them through it. That's, yeah, that's and, the amazing power the, of great music, right? That's oh, the amazing yeah. power of great music. If, if songs or lyrics can reach you or help you or make you feel better, that's like what it's all about, right? Oh, it's unreal. And I'm a big fan myself, and music affects me very, very much, uh, more than anything. And I listen to uh, all kinds of stuff. But I, it, to be a part of something that does that to someone else is, it's really that's my pay. You know, I, I'm glad that I'm, I have a, uh, you know, live a, a decent life uh, with the money I've made out of music. But the real payment, boy, it's, it's you can't beat that. It's pretty awesome. That is excellent. So we're going to take a quick break Mr. here. We got Big some video that we're going to. We got some video Mr. that we're going to. Mr. Big's gotten me through some tough times as well. Second song, um, "Lucky for You." Um, CDFF, uh, nope. "Lucky This Time." Lucky this time. Yeah, a very amazing song after um, having some uh, heartbreak and troubles with a, uh, a special girl. So, excellent. Right on. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to we're going to show the little video here we got for Addicted to That Rush. This is Mr. Big. Check it out. The one and only Billy Sheehan. Thank you. 
Let's go! 
Hello, welcome back to talk about rock, Mr. Billy Sheehan. So quick question, we were talking about uh, Mr. Big, and actually a friend of mine lives in Japan. You were, you were talking about that. You guys were huge there and still have a huge following. How was it playing the, the Budokan Tokyo Theater out there? That had to be amazing. Pretty amazing. The Beatles played there. That's pretty cool to play where the... Actually, we played in the Star Club in Hamburg also. I think it's in a different place, but it's still the Star Club where the Beatles started. And the Reaper Bond, which is a... Uh, the red light district, basically, in, in Hamburg. It's, <laughs> it's uh, quite a, it's pretty wild to walk down the street there. Uh, but uh, yeah, to play the Budokan uh, was pretty amazing. We've done it, uh, sold it out, I don't know how many times, but a lot. And we're incredibly indebted to Japan and the Japanese people. As prior to, to be with you being a hit, they were, they were already uh, on the train there with us. They, uh, they really, uh, went for Mr. Big in a big way. And some bands, everybody thought the cliche, oh, they're going to be big in Japan, they'll be big in Japan. A lot of bands go and play play Tokyo or Tokyo, Osaka, or maybe Tokyo, Osaka, Nagoya. We played from Sapporo in the north, where they have ice uh, sculpture uh, uh, contests in the winter, to Kagoshima in the south with an active volcano that are playing at a circle for a while, while the, while the uh, the volcanic dust settled before we could land and uh, all over East Coast, West Coast, uh, <laughs> all over Japan. And uh, it, it was pretty amazing. The, the people there are, are, they watch very closely. And I would always say to people back in the day when there were VCRs, if you want to know how, how, uh, how amazingly uh, perfect they are, just unscrew the top, the lid of your VCR and look in there. They did that. It's amazing. So they would sit there and watch us. And uh, it was funny because they, they, they knew everything that was going on. And later on, they'd speak, you know, fourth song in, I, I, my bass is out of tune. So I had to run and, you know, okay, come back. Yeah. Oh yeah. On the fourth song, I saw your bass go out of tune. Like, man, uh, most people didn't even notice. <laughs> Pretty Busted, yeah. <laughs> things like that are amazing. So they, we have incredible fans everywhere. Uh, and the, the big in Japan thing gets kind of cliche where in fact, uh, in Italy, at one point there were four Mr. Big copy bands traveling around Italy. Really? In Germany, we did amazing. South America is out of control. And, uh, the Philippines, Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, I still get more email from Malay from Indonesia than anywhere in the world. And uh, so well, we're very, very pleased with Japan, but it's not not entirely true that that's uh, that's that's all there was. <laughs> we we were lucky to play. When you have a hit single, I wish everybody could have one because it's an amazing experience. Uh, we it took us everywhere. We went all over the place. So uh, and thank goodness. And we're we're still to this day. Like I said, I get email from people all over. And it's amazing. It went to number one taboo, not just. Yeah. Single, but a number one hit single. Do you still talk to the guys from Mr. Big? And have you been approached by any of them to join them in a project or play with them again? Oh, I've done a couple things with Paul Gilbert and Eric and I. We just spoke on the phone last night to the losing uh, uh, Herbie, sadly. Um, but yeah, we're all friends, you know. But we lost Pat, our drummer, and uh, we had a wonderful drummer, Matt uh, Starr, play with us for a tour because we had had already booked. Uh, something we thought well we'll honor it because it's booked and you know to pay a little tribute to pat pat could play with us for a while but he couldn't play drums 
So we'd have him on the side, on, uh, up on the drum riser and sang background vocals, but he was just too exhausted. Parkinson's just wears you out. He's too exhausted to play. And uh, Matt played with him and it was uh, great to have him along for that. And the crowds were so kind to him and so understanding. But when we, we finally did lose him, that was, uh, uh, Matt did a great job, but it's, we still miss Pat. <laughs> uh, so it was, uh, it, it was uh, tough to go on without him. So we decided, well, let's put it aside. Maybe Sunday we'll play again. Um, maybe not, who knows, but uh, we're all good friends and we're all still close and we all still communicate and we're all still uh, uh, very happy to work with Pat and known him as a friend. He's one of the sweetest guys in the world, an amazing drummer and a great husband and father, just a solid, solid citizen. So. So I don't, I'm not sure what we'll do in the future. I'm, I'm open to anything, but at this point, there's no plan. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're pretty busy with two different projects here with the winery dogs and the sons of Apollo. Now, yeah. um, is your recording and your touring going on um, simultaneously with those two bands? No, we're, I'm off with, from both. We were out with sons of Apollo for the new record, uh, 2020. <laughs> which turned into a pretty bad year right we had, right we had toured a bit in the states and we went to uh we were in germany ready to do a whole european run about and as we're there we're watching the news and here it's coming down and we're thinking we were about to fly to play in uh uh either russia or the ukraine i think it was the ukraine and uh I said to everybody, you know, if they stop letting people into America from Europe, they're not going to put us up at a Four Seasons Hotel. <laughs> we'll right, yeah. And we've got us and crew and everybody that we're going to have to pay out of our pocket. And and it was a new, it's a new band, so we're not, you know, we're, we're still building the band. We have to pay out of our pocket for hotels and and God knows how many flights. And we've got a lot of personnel out with us, and uh, we may not get back in for months, you know, and like, geez, what are we going to do? So we all wanted to continue playing. And we had a problem because you can't just cancel a show because you can get sued for it. So, and the promoters haven't, hadn't canceled. The promoters can cancel a show if there's a reasonable uh, uh, event happening that's, that's going to cause it. So we had to bite the bullet at that point and say, you know what, let's, let's do it. Let's pull the plug. And sure enough, the promoters right away for about five hours, we're all pissed off. Hour six, everybody announced, all the promoters said, we can't do it, no shows, no crowds. And then every other band touring in Europe, one by one, they all, they all went home. So we got home, that was March, year before last in, a, in 2020. Uh, so uh, we're, we had to stop the tour and it was it was going great too. People loved the record, uh, so that happened to a lot of people. Unfortunately, they it's, it wasn't just us, and uh, sadly, all the other troubles that this whole situation has brought about. Uh, but so we've uh, just kind of let it go. And uh, with the winery dogs, we wanted to uh, try to set it up for next year. So we're uh, we're working on a new record. Just got a new song from. Uh, a vocal on a song from Richie tonight, spectacular, what a great singer. And Mike uh, Portnoy and myself went to LA twice, each time for about 10 days, 
just writing parts and getting together in a room like bands used to do and figuring stuff out and singing and playing and get, coming up with ideas. So it was quite a, a great, great time. And uh, it's only three guys uh, like the old Talos was. So it's generally pretty easy to deal with just three. And, right. Uh, so that's uh, so I hopefully we uh, there's something booked for uh, Sons of Apollo in January, I think, in Brazil. But I don't know yet uh, if that's absolutely confirmed. I, it may very well be. Uh, and we also know from experience, once you confirm a show, as time moves up to it, you got to move it again and then move it again. And, and so it's it's a very difficult situation for everybody. Bad enough for the band guys, but our crew and uh, truck drivers, bus drivers and all that there, it's been tough on so many people. So we're we're doing what we can to get back to work as quick as possible. So how do you balance that between the two bands, the Winery Dogs and Sons of Apollo? Where do you where do you find the time to do both projects? Well, they're usually staggered. Uh, uh, you know, it's, none of them are really full time. We play, you know, 12 months a year. We'll go off for like a three month run and take a break and go with the Winery Dogs. And well, the good thing is Mike and I are in both bands. So right, right. If, if the Winery Dogs go out sons of apollo can't and vice versa so right you know, so that, but uh but it's everybody's friends and we're all cool and we try, just try to schedule it out it's no problem cool cool you guys have pretty good chemistry say again you guys have pretty good chemistry obviously you're yeah, very good very, very good. good friends as well as bandmates i would imagine yeah um everyone in sons of apollo uh jeff scott soto singer is just one of the sweetest guys in the world and just one of the easiest lead singers next to phil narrow one of the easiest lead singers ever you know one with just a great voice too uh mike portnoy of course and i get along uh, very very well i love him very much and uh derek sherinian keyboard fantastic player and ron bumblefoot just a hilarious guy and genius uh, guitarist. So it's a, it's a, it's a riot. And then with Winery Dogs, uh, Richie Costin has been a dear friend of mine. He was briefly in Mr. Big for a while when Paul Gilbert quit back in the uh, late 90s or something. And uh, what a talent uh, Richie is, man. He plays and pe people will say, yeah, wasn't he the guy from Poison? Yeah, but he was also the guy that replaced Alan Holdsworth in Virtu with Stanley Clark and Lenny White. So that's, that's where that's where he's at. Right, that's right. some lofty company right there. Definitely, yeah. definitely. We've all heard, heard, heard the story about Eddie Trunk getting you guys together for the winery dogs. How did the Sons of Apollo come together? How did you guys all get together and become a band? Well, I had done a PSMS. Portnoy, Sheehan, McAlpine, Sherinian, though Derek says it's Portnoy, Sherinian, McAlpine, Sheehan, I, 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 that's a joke, uh, but uh, <laughs> we, we went and did a tour, uh, did some of Tony McAlpine songs, did a, I've never dreamed theater fan, not for any other reason that I, there's, there's only 24 hours in a day and so many bands I can get into, plus a lot of the modern Prague, I'm an old school King Crimson Genesis you know, the new stuff, it doesn't touch me the way the old stuff did. Sorry, that's just me. I'm I'm old. So, so we're what? all guys in the 70s. <laughs> yep. exactly. We all grew up in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. But right. I, I really like Dream Theater. I love what uh, love what he does in that band. It, it's yeah, I, it, was, it doesn't happen to be my thing, but it's it's great stuff. And yep. they're supremely talented. So uh, Mike and I started doing stuff long ago. Uh, we did a Rush tribute record one time, and then we did a tour with myself, 
Paul Gilbert, Gary Sharon, and Mike, and we did a Who tribute. That was great. That was a riot. Paul dressed like Pete Townsend, played an SG, and I had hurt my back, so I had to kind of stand there stiff, and they go, wow, Sheehan's doing that whistle. Perfect. <laughs> it, was <good> <laughs> it was funny. So, uh, so we... Uh, from that, we were going to continue, maybe get a lead singer and do something like that. But they, uh, Tony's an amazing player. He's more of a fusion and jazzy player. They wanted to get something that's a little bit more rock. Uh, so Ron had played with Guns N' Roses for a long, long time. He was freshly out of that, so he came and and uh, joined us. Uh, I, I love I love Tony. I still still will play with him anytime, anywhere, anyhow. Uh, what a genius uh, talent he is. So that's how uh, Sons of Apollo came to be. And uh, we uh, put our first record together and uh, did great with it. Uh, and like I, and I told the story of the second record just now too. So but it's all good. Excellent. So Excellent. The, uh, Sons of Apollo was pretty well received here in the United States. Yeah, we did great, great, great business everywhere. Everywhere we went was uh, packed and uh, people were, I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful. People have been just really incredibly kind to a lot of my bands uh, from Talos version one through eight and uh, the Eat em and Smile, Mr. Big, even Niacin, a band I had with Dennis Chambers on drums, Mam and B3 player. People were, were just been very, very uh, uh, generous to me, I believe. Awesome. Awesome. Would you say the uh, Sons of Apollo are the most progressive rock band that you played with in this career? Uh, other than Niacin, Niacin was, was pretty, pretty intense. And plus Steve I, I did a couple tours with Steve, uh, solo tours, and there was a lot of, a lot of complicated stuff there. <laughs> cool. Oh yeah. Cool. All right. Well, so let's Bob take, wants to run another video here. Yeah, let's take a quick break and let's check out this uh, music here from Sons of Apollo. This is Coming Home.
Okay, we're back talking about rock with Mr. Billy Sheehan. Hello. <laughs> Again. Awesome. So how big is um, commercial success to you, Billy? Is it more about the love of the music? Or, um, I mean, certainly you had the number one single, but really, was, was that your goal? Was that important to you? Uh, success, yeah. Uh, and even from the early days, I mean, I'd rather play for free in front of 10,000 people than play in front of 10 people for 10,000 bucks. I mean, I, I love to play and perform. Never been money motivated, much to my w wife's chagrin there. She wishes I was a little more money. <laughs> but uh, but we, we've been lucky to be in situations where I, I, I made uh, excellent money and had some success. But that was, it's for me, I was focused early on on that bass playing. Yeah. All the time, and yeah. today you're, you're, I practice all day about feeding the chipmunks peanuts while I'm playing, and uh, it, it's a, it's really, I'm, I, I don't, I never considered that I had any natural talent at all, but I had a burning desire to get that thing to work and get those notes out of that bass somehow. Yeah, and uh, I'm a good troubleshooter, so. If I hear a string of notes go by, they got to be on that fretboard somewhere. So I got to find them and figure out how to get to them in, in a timely manner. And so uh, that, that in, in the end uh, led to uh, me being in a position where I could play, perform in a band. But I, I was never really uh, money motivated or fame motivated. I the pe people, I, I bristle with you. Oh, you, oh, so you're a rock star. And I go, no, I'm a musician. Right. Yep. And you, and you are so innovative. You you've taken bases and you've done such such amazing things and different things. You know, you've shaved down, you know, the pickups and you scalp the frets and, and yeah. so many different customizations, things like that. Um, have you have you thinking about maybe doing your own line of bases or something like that? I mean, you've, you've got into a, that so much. I have a Yamaha Attitude basis at a 30 year anniversary. Awesome. Yeah. So we uh, as a matter of fact, on the wall there. That's the original P bass that I had from Buffalo. Right. All those years. And right to, and then its sister is behind her. She's, <laughs> she's not very well known, but that was my backup bass we had on the truck when we were, in case something happened. But behind that is the Yamaha 30 year anniversary of the Attitude bass. And they did it in the same color scheme as my original P bass. So it looks very much like. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And it plays like a dream. It's a, an amazing instrument. Yamaha has been very, very uh, kind to me. They've made my bases now for, I started with them actually in 84, but the, uh, the uh, bass came out, I think in 1989 or 90, they did the attitude bass, hence the 30 year anniversary last year. And uh, but they've been a great company to deal with. They've been very kind to me, and the bases are amazing. So awesome! So, so I know we got so you When can we expect the um, the album to be released by the Winery Dogs? When it's done. Okay. <laughs> we, no way. We uh, it happens a lot where people. That's why sometimes we hesitate to even announce or tell anyone that we're even working on a record because you know, hey, we're getting together and over. You know, we've all in LA at Richie's house writing for a new record. When's it coming out? We haven't even written the first song yet. You know, so it, it, so sometimes we hesitate to say anything because 
you know, I, I, I said something about the new Talus record, which which is finally done. I'm very happy to say, uh, and you know, we don't know when it's coming out. That's up to the record label and all. But uh, it's hard to tell. We just want to. And sometimes you get pressure from a, a record label to to have to get it out by a deadline, and it always ruins everything. Right, you, right. You got to rush the cover. You got to rush the mastering. The last Mr. Big record we did, um, uh, Defying Gravity, I think it was, um, the name of it. Uh, but the, 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 they had a problem with the mastering, but we had to have it delivered at the right time. And I'm sitting listening to the mixes going, man, it sounds great. Kevin Olsen, our original mixer, was is back at the helm and fantastic. Then we heard the CD and go, what the heck happened? You know, so, <laughs> and that's all because you got to do it. You got to get a deadline. We got to have it. You know, no. So we, we, every band that I'm in now, we, we will not, we're, we're not going to put any deadlines on it because it's just, you, you'll, it ends up rushing it at the end and it, it makes it terrible. So, oh, so hopefully we'll get done ASAP. Well, we were both really love the stuff you're doing with Winery Dogs and the stuff you're doing with Sons of Apollo. It's it's some it's some great stuff. I've, I lean more a little bit to the Sons of Apollo. It's it's a little more harder edge, a little more progressive, but both both of it sounds great. Oh, no doubt about it. I know and a, and our mutual new, uh, friend. <laughs> oh, I, I wanted to say, Billy, our mutual friend Tyson Leslie has been over to your house. Yeah, in your base room there. Yeah. Uh, are you going to be playing with Rare Hair in December and joining Tyson Leslie's cast what's, of what's the date? characters? What's the date? Do you um, gosh. Well, I could tell you, but it might take me a minute to find it. It's um, right before Christmas sometime, I believe. I hope it's not on, on the 15th because that's yeah. the Buffalo. Yep, he'll be, he'll be Buffalo. in Buffalo December 15th with the musicians of Buffalo with Jesse Galante and Bobby Liebel and uh, – yeah, Jimmy Crean will be guesting on that show. Yeah, we got a Christmas record coming out. We got a we did a Christmas record of the songs we're doing at the show. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, and I can't wait to see. You. I'll be there at the show for sure. Yep. Great. Here it is, Billy. It's uh, Rare Hair Twelve. They're up to uh, number twelve now, and it's on Monday, December twentieth at the Basement East. Woohoo! I'm in. Great. So I'll be home by then. <laughs> awesome that'd be cool but uh the big well this being a buffalo oriented show we uh finished the new talus record uh phil sang the record it was difficult for him but he got through it and did an amazing job sadly we lost him right after we finished recording and uh uh we dedicated this record to him and his life and his talent and uh it uh, was mixed in uh, toronto canada and uh, we're very, very excited about it. Sounds great. It's myself, Mark Miller, uh, Phil Narrow singing. Uh, Mitch Perry came in and played on the two songs that he brought into Talos, uh, Crystal Clear and On the Take. And uh, another gentleman named Kiri from Rochester has been doing the guitar stuff uh, for our shows as well. So uh, it's a it's a bittersweet uh, to, to do a new Talos record. Uh, quite awesome, but losing Phil was uh, just a utter catastrophe so we uh hope this uh record honors his legacy yeah that's excellent we've, we've had so many people comment about about phil about his passing and stuff like that and then we heard that there was going to be a new talus we are so excited that a new album was going to be coming out and to to dedicate that to him that is that is outstanding 
Yeah, we had uh, his son joined him on some harmonies too, which is quite nice, James. And up in Toronto, so we we had his son's voice on there also. He's quite a great singer himself. So uh, yeah, tough. It's been a, it's been a, we've lost a lot of people from Ed Van Halen yeah. and Herbie Herbert and uh, now uh, Phil recently too. Uh, it's uh, we're at the times of our lives where those that came before us or our peers. Uh, it's it's uh, tough to maintain your health, uh, unfortunately. But uh, so hopefully you guys and all your listeners remain as healthy as possible, and we can all be together in many more shows to come. Definitely. Oh, December twentieth for sure in yep. Nashville, and December fifteenth in Buffalo, right? That's right. I'm looking yep. forward to both. Yeah, and we we so hope to see you. You know, touring with the Winery Dogs, touring with Sons of Apollo. You know. We'll be checking your website to see when you know there's touring dates released and stuff. We can't we can't wait to see that stuff too. That that'll be great. Yeah, I always post everything, and people are always surprised that I respond and answer. But I and it's a it's a it's a massive job, but I like to. If people are kind enough to take the time and write or say something, I want to acknowledge them. And I, I I'm lucky to have unbelievable friends all over the world that I hear from, from all the, all my years of touring and stuff. So I, that, that is me on social media. People, is that really you? Or that, yeah. now, sometimes they'll ask me a question to test me. And of course I, I usually can come up with the right answer, but, but uh, yeah, social media is, is, is awful and hateful as it is sometimes. There really is some great things about it to really stay in touch with friends and acquaintances from back in the day, back from playing the barrel head and he and she's and, uh, After Dark and Lockport and McVans and all the places in Rochester, Penny Arcade. Uh, I hear from people all the time. It's, it's quite quite awesome. Well, well we my sister used to uh, sneak in to see you with a fake license. <laughs> it was actually my cousin Sue's license that she used. She was 16 years old, and she told us a story the other day that uh, she used to sneak in and see you before... Great. Was legal to drink. She loved you so much. She was all about the rock and roll. And she's four years older than me. And she's inspired me to love rock and roll just as much. Great. That's awesome. Yeah, we, uh, Talos probably was responsible for a booming business in the fake ID. Back <laughs> in the day, right? Yep, exactly. <laughs> we exactly. Probably, we should get a little plaque from them or something, you know? Right, right. <laughs> right. Well, we so appreciate you taking the time, you know, and, and being able to get a hold of you and stuff and, and stopping in and chatting with us. It's been amazing. We, we're so honored and oh, so glad to have you with us. You know, so many folks have been, you know, chomping at the bit. We've kept it on the down low, you know, and I just released it today that we'd be speaking to you. And we are so, so appreciative. Wonderful. Well, so thanks I, for I having wanna, me on. I, I appreciate it. I want to circle back with one last question. Yes, sir happened to the David Lee Roth band? I thought that was the baddest band on the planet and you guys only lasted two albums. Um, I, I guess some did egos or differences get in the way. Um, was it specifically David Lee Roth or? No, I've died. It's, you know, he took a, touch. a, a different yeah, direction. He went in a different direction on Skyscraper and it wasn't my thing. You know, it wasn't my thing. Uh, bass plugged in direct, no amps. Uh, everybody would be one at a time in a studio with no one else there. Eat him and smile. We did. We wrote it in Dave's basement. We we're all together in the room at Fantasy Studios in Berkeley, California, or uh, uh, the record plan in New York City, all together, playing together, doing our thing. It was real. It was fun. We we're on tour. We we're having a blast. We all hung out. Skyscraper, things were different. 
And uh, uh, Dave took a chance and tried to do a stylistic change. If it would have worked, he would have been the genius of the decade. But unfortunately, the stuff, stuff was more synth and dance oriented. And a lot of people, I remember when I first heard Jump and heard the synthesizer, I thought, what? <laughs> I, later on, of course, I loved the song, and of course, it grew on me, and it was wonderful. But uh, th that can happen. So I, I'm just assuming that that may have happened when people heard Skyscraper, uh, and so I went off on my own and did Mr. Big, and we I did I did the, the kind of records that that I wanted to do, playing similar to how I did in Talos with you know some great vocals, everybody singing. And uh, that all all real, no no backing tracks, no uh, synth uh, stuff or anything like that. So, you know, but I, I love Dave, and I, I he, he was one of my biggest, uh, the greatest things that ever happened to me. And he, uh, yeah, he's an amazing performer on his own. I think unbelievable. He's, he's going to do some awesome things with his Vegas shows. I think that'll be amazing. But I, yeah. I know, like, I know what you're saying, you know, back to the old school type of rock and roll, everybody in a room doing the recording, bouncing off ideas, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it feels more real, you know, as a band, you know, as a family yeah. doing and, that. And, and like, and he, he gave me my biggest break ever. And, uh, uh, he was, uh, uh, I still love him and still respect him. And, uh, I, I wish him nothing but the absolute best, uh, with his retirement and all and, uh, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He's a very smart man. And it just, he's, it was being, working with him was like showbiz 101. I, I got a PhD and it was uh, really helpful for me later on and Mr. Big and everything else I did since then. So the legacy of what he, what I learned from that man is, it's been nothing but uh, a positive thing. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, sometimes, uh, uh, things that burn bright, burn out faster than the Edmund smile. <laughs> Right. Yep. <laughs> that was that. Yeah, yep. certainly Eatem and Smile was a superior album to Skyscraper, in my opinion, and I think everybody else would agree. Yep. Yeah, I think so too. I see some online forums and you see it starts to, you know, it starts to split and then you see by the end it's usually 80-20 yeah. for uh, Eatem and Smile or more. And, uh, but uh, it's, 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 uh, that'll be another chapter in the book, I guess. People keep goading right. me to write a book. But I, I say, some of the people that are going to be, I got to, unfortunately, they're still alive. So I got to wait. You got to wait a little while. <laughs> I totally understand. So Billy, uh, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? Oh, I don't know. I just, uh, I, uh, I'm coming up on about, I think I may have gone past the 5,000 gig mark and over 50 years of playing. And uh, I don't know. I just uh, hope people have enjoyed what I've done. I hope it's given them some entertainment and uh, some enjoyment at the shows. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for everything. Or I'm a very lucky guy. And I don't forget it for a minute. Everything I own, my car, my house, my retirement fund, everything came from somebody buying a t-shirt, a ticket, or a record. And I never forget that. So it's very, very important to me. Uh, it's, uh, I, I'm soon, I, I have a, I'm not sure if I can be able to do this yet. We're still working on it. But I have a huge uh, collection of all stuff that I had, all the stuff I wore on the Eat and Smile tour and all the clothes and posters and 
backstage passes and all kinds of stuff that I have in my archives. And I realized that, you know, what's the sense of hanging on to all that? So I think what I'll do is um, find a worthy charity and uh, auction it all off and have all the money go to something that is helpful. Right now we're looking at a company that uh, outfits uh, law enforcement officers with bulletproof vests for their safety. And I think so that's that's what I'm going to I'm going to do auction everything off, uh, sign it all, <laughs> clear, clear it all out because it means a lot to a lot of people. Right. Uh, right. To have it. And uh, I'm going to try and I, I hope it doesn't sell for too much money because I don't want people to go broke buying stuff. But I do want the money. I don't want the money. I want to give it away. I want to give it to uh, something that's that I a cause I believe in and uh, protecting law enforcement officers, uh, I think, is a good idea. Uh, so that's uh, that's going to be so hopefully that'll be a part of uh, a good thing of uh, some of the things I've, I've tried to do in my life and try to help people as best I can. Yeah, that's, that's what we love about you. I could see you doing that. Yep, that definitely that's definitely outstanding. Definitely, you know, to do something like that. And we so much appreciate, you know, all the music you've brought us, you know, the entertainment, you know, the wowing us with your bass solos, you know, the the amazing stuff you've done on stage and videos, you know, you know, the scaring the other bass players. That's definitely what you did when you came out. You know what I mean? And you continue to do that. You know, you've been You're quoted, very kind. You're very kind. You know, you've been quoted by your other bandmates as saying when you walked in the room, you know, oh, I just met the god of bass players. I think uh, <laughs> Eric Martin said that. But yeah, we're we're so happy, you know, the stuff you've done. We hope we don't see more from you, you know, as 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 things keep going on. It's it's really been awesome. Uh, it's been great. Very, very kind. I, I, thanks to both of you for having me on and your kind words. I, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to coming back. The show we have on the 15th in Buffalo is going to be great. It's uh, got a full horn section and a lot of guests coming up. We're trying to get as many local Buffalo musicians up there with us as that, that want to play. They're all welcome in general, but we're, I think we're filled up for this year. So jump in so you can get on the next show. If you want to want to join us, we'd love to have that. And then I'll come back here to Nashville on the 20th and play with Tyson. Awesome. That'd be a blast. Awesome. When you come to Buffalo, I might have to stop by and, and bug you for a second and say hello. But that's that sounds amazing. Same sure here. Just bring, just bring some Bocce's pizza with you. <laughs> a good friend of mine from the old days. Uh, uh, he's a bass player. John Schmidt is his name. He's a nice guy. And uh, he used to work with, with Talis. And uh, he asked me about the – I have a – pickup I designed with DiMarzio for basses, the Relentless pickup. He asked me about it, so I sent him one, uh, just as a, a, a for old time's sake, and he, he sent me the half-baked Bocce's pizza that showed up on my doorstep. Oh they, my gosh. They ship it to all over the country, and uh, it was the middle of the week, and so we, I, it was a huge pizza, so my wife and I, we called it, we got, got some great neighbors there. Hey, you guys want to come over and try this the best pizza in the world? So we did it in the oven and it was fantastic. It was really great. So, uh, and that, and then, but I guess they don't ship Mighty Taco. No, 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 they do. They do ship oh, they Mighty do. Taco. They do oh, ship Mighty crazy. Taco now. Yeah. So wow. if you want some, if you want some, just ping me. I, I, they freeze it now and they'll send, I'll send it out to you. That's you amazing. got it. Yep. We, we live in the future. <laughs> right. Yeah. You need some food from Buffalo. Feel free to reach out. No problem. Ooh. We may, not have fly, we may not have flying cars, but we can deliver pizza halfway across the country. <laughs> exactly, exactly. What else do you need? Some Salem's hot dogs and right. 
Hogan oh bacon. yeah. There you go. You guys hit to hit to Glaciers hot dogs. Glaciers? No, I never had those. Never yeah, had those. I always get the Salins hot dogs I have to bring out to my sister in Vegas. Yeah. And I then when she comes here, she has to have the fish and the beef on whack and stuff like that. So well, beef right. on whack. Yeah. I remember Pat's hot dog stand on Parker and Sheridan Drive. That was a that was a that was a place I went to a lot. And uh, there was also a place right near the Peace Bridge, a little tiny shack for amazing hot dogs, incredible. So yeah, Buffalo. I always tell people we had black folks, Jewish folks, Irish, Polish, German, Italian, uh, Sicilian, all, right all here. Mixed, <laughs> all mixed together. <laughs> and so the food was amazing. Yep. Yeah. Quite, quite a quite a legacy of food there in Buffalo. Yeah, we don't have We're a lot. We have great food. Yeah, we have great food. Starting here. to get a uh, melting pot here in Nashville now with people from Pittsburgh, Chicago, Los Angeles, Detroit, all over the place. Oh, great. Definitely. I don't think the pizza's caught up with it yet like it is in Buffalo. No, no you know, not quite. Not quite. Nor the Mexican food. Yeah. Coming from L.A., they're Mexican food. It's hard to get Mexican outside of the Southwest uh, or Texas. It's good. It's good, but there's a place in LA called Poquito Mas, was the most mind-blowingly incredible tasting flavors of Mexican food I've ever had, and I've been in Mexico many, many times. Uh, so uh, I'm trying to talk them into opening up one here in Nashville. So nice. because every musician when they go to LA to rehearse is right near Poquito Mas, a mates rehearsal where everybody goes, and so everybody gets turned on and they all love it. And everybody when they go to LA. The first thing they do, uh, my buddy uh, Ray Lugier, he plays drums with Corn. He was in LA, and he showed. Of course, he went to Paquito Mas and took a photo of it. That <laughs> got me all jealous because it's just the best uh, Mexican anywhere. So we're going to try and get them down here in Nashville. See if we is can. that something you might like to do? Well, a franchise or I don't. I, that's out of my area of expertise. You, yeah, you know, you know all that money that I made with the music, all those years. That's how you lose it. <laughs> Open a restaurant, right? Oh, well, if, well. If you need some stuff from Buffalo food, you know, feel free to ping us here. We'll we'll definitely thank try you. to send it out to you. And, Very and, kind. And once again, thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time speaking with us. I know you're a busy guy. You got stuff going on. You know, winery dogs. Sons of Apollo, check these guys out. Amazing stuff happening here. And the, the new Talus record. And the new Talus record with, with Phil Niles singing on it. We, we can't wait for that stuff in Buffalo. Amazing. Thank you right. so much for being with us, Billy. We really appreciate it. Thank and you, if both. you folks. If you folks want to know about more about our show or you have comments, please feel free to email us at talkingaboutrock at gmail.com. Please like us on Facebook and check out our videos on YouTube. Billy, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much. Thank Pleasure's you so much, mine. Billy. Thank you, Billy.